many of us have not heard much teaching on the what we refer to in theology as uh, eschatology, the, the, the doctrine or the teaching of last things. So it's really exciting when we can turn our attention to the prophetic word that God has given to us uh, through the book of Revelation. And tonight, our study is going to be titled with the question that this sixth chapter of Revelation actually ends with, who shall be able to stand? That's a very significant question. It's a question of the ages. It's a question that we'll understand a little bit better by the time we get through uh, with our study tonight. Turn your Bible with me to the book of Revelation chapter 6, but I would also like you to find in your Bibles tonight Matthew chapter 24, because we're going to find an interesting correlation between the unfolding of the seven seals and the teachings of Jesus Christ in his personal ministry in what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 24 and 25 and also Luke chapter 21 we find that there's a direct contrast between chapter 5 and chapter 6 what a great contrast between the scenes of heaven and its praise and adoration and and the adulation of the whole host of heaven toward the lamb and and toward the living god and the redemption that is ours in christ and and this uh, aspect of worship in heaven is now contrasted with the clouds of judgment that are to come upon the earth prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. This fits very nicely in our study of Daniel chapter 12. And, and we're not going to go back there uh, for time's sake tonight. But remember that the 12th chapter of Daniel is the last chapter of, of, of Daniel's prophecy and and in that chapter, two times, in chapter 12, verses 4 and 9, God told Daniel to shut up the vision. He said, there's going to be a great trouble, such as never been seen before and never will be seen after. But Daniel shut up that vision in a book. And so, so it wasn't revealed. It wasn't open. But remember... The, the word revelation, apocalypsis, means literally the unveiling, the opening, the opening of the book, the opening of the mind of God toward the end times. And we get a little glimpse of that in our study here together tonight. Remember the scroll represents the title deed to the universe. And this is something that's in the hand of the resurrected Savior. And he says in verse 1, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals of this, this book, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts or living creatures saying, Come and see. To me, this is the beginning of the great tribulation that Daniel was uh, talking about and Christ was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's interesting for us to consider in this first seal that is going to be open, it is a white horse. He says in verse 2, I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, this white horse is not to be confused 
with the white horse of Revelation 19. In Revelation 19, we find Jesus actually represented on the white horse, but remember what he had in his hand was a sword. Here we find a different picture. The first, in the beginning of this unveiling, we find the white horse representing what we refer to as the Antichrist. Now, I want us to go back and look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, and you're going to find not only are he, is he going to uh, reveal who this is, but he's going to use the same sequence. In, Rev, in uh, the book of Matthew chapter uh, 24, you know, Jesus, remember, he's answering the questions. When shall the end be? When shall these things be? When shall uh, the end of the world come? When is all of this going to come about uh, before the second coming? Uh, he asked that question. They asked that question of Jesus in verse 3. And uh, notice what he says in verse four and verses 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Here, I believe, is the white horse, the deceiver. This, of course, is described as the beginning of sorrows. This is the beginning of uh, extensive deception by false Christs. Many things are going to happen, and we see them actually happening at least in small part, in our generation today. It's very interesting to me. Christ's warning about the false Christ or the Antichrist. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 43, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another comes in his own name, him will ye receive. Isn't that interesting? He's speaking to the Jewish nation. He says, you don't believe me. Here I come with signs and miracles, and you don't believe me, but there's somebody that will come in his own name in the future, and you're going to follow him. You're going to believe him. Who is this individual riding upon a white horse? He's holding up an empty bow, a sign of peace. Remember uh, Indian, uh, uh, Indians uh, in the Indian culture, when they would hold a bow upside down, that was a symbol of peace. Well, this is someone that's going to promise peace, but he's going to introduce a culture of evil. I believe we've got a good description of him in the Word of God. Turn quickly to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I believe we're describing the, white, the man on the white horse, the Antichrist. Listen to what we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word coming there is his personal coming, his parousia. Uh, and by our gathering unto, together unto him. In verse 2 he says that ye may not be soon shaken in mind nor troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you. Again, here's a clear warning about the deceptive power of the devil, uh, and particularly this, this individual that's going to be introduced to us as the lawless one, the one that is apart from the law of God, one that is in opposition to God, one that is evil and empowered or embodied by Satan himself. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. The word falling away 
uh, Brother Nate, is apostasia, from which we get apostasy. These are people that are totally rejecting truth. And that man of sin, now watch this, verse 3, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, I don't have time to go into all of this study tonight with you, but if you're taking notes, I believe that this man of sin is the one riding on the right horse, white horse in Revelation 6 uh, in our study tonight, but he's also the little horn that Daniel talked about in Daniel 7, 8. He's the prince who is to come in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. And he is the beast that's described in Revelation chapter 13. This is the individual, and look at his character. Look, look, at, look at the characteristics of the Antichrist. Verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, the only temple that the Bible ever refers to is the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. So here is an individual that has captivated the masses of Jewish people. And they are, they are looking at, upon him as their Messiah. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. In his time. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying there's coming a time when this man of sin is going to be revealed. For the, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. There are antichrists in the world even 2,000 years ago. But this is a unique individual. This is a, uh, an individual that's more wicked than any of the other antichrists that's ever come before him. He says, The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now lets or restrains, that word is an old English word, restrain, will restrain until he be taken out of the way. I believe that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. That, you know, the men, um, men are evil by nature, by nature. But men not, are not as evil as they could be. God has exercised restraining grace all these many years, in Psalm chapter 76, verse 10, the psalmist David said that the wickedness of man shall praise him, the remainder thou shalt restrain. In other words, God is permitting evil in the world to the extent that it will accomplish his end, but only that. But there is a day coming, in the words of the Apostle Paul, when the restrainer, the spirit, is going to be pulled back. And the full evil of the Antichrist and his minions is going to be experienced in the earth. Kind of scary, isn't it? Watch this. He says, and then, verse 8, shall that wicked be revealed. If you have a, a real Bible, that word wicked is capitalized. Have you ever noticed that? That's a person. That's showing that that is a person. In the Greek language, it's ho-anamas, which is the lawless one. The lawless one. The wicked will be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume. Now, I, I realize that's kind of spooky and scary tonight, but watch, watch what happens. Whom the Lord shall consume. You getting this? 
with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his what? What? His coming. His parousia. See, this all ties together, brothers and sisters, and we can rest in it. And, 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 and of course, we could go further into this chapter, but, but just understand, God has a purpose in, in unveiling the man of sin. He has a purpose in opening the, se- the first seal of the scroll and releasing the man on the white horse that I'm persuaded is the Antichrist himself. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter 6. This is the first seal, the white horse, which represents the Antichrist. The second seal in verses 3 and 4, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come and see. And he's speaking to John, and John comes to see, and this is what he saw. In verse 4, And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Now you see the sword being drawn. I believe the red horse represents terror, uh, carnage, war. And, And it's interesting that in the book of Revelation, in chapter 12, verse 3, you see a red dragon. Have you noticed that? In uh, chapter 17, verse 3, you see a red beast. Using the, num- using the color red to be indicative of this uh, condition of terror or, or carnage and, and, and destruction. And this, brothers and sisters, you're going to notice this as we go through our study of the book of Revelation. Each seal opened becomes more intense the destruction becomes farther and farther. It is a global condition. It's a worldwide condition. And it is uh, something that is essential. It's necessary before the second coming of our Savior actually occurs. Now, watch what Jesus said. Go back to Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, verse 6, listen to what he says. After the Antichrist, after the white horse, Jesus said, after the deceiver that has gone into all the world, listen to what he says. And ye, in verse 6, and ye shall hear of wars. Here's your red horse. And rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. And that word troubled there does not mean burying your head in the sand. And saying, well, God's going to take care of it anyway. What the word troubled there is talking about is the weight of concern. Don't don't be overcome by the weight of the concern of the events that are happening in the world. Don't, Don't do that. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I submit to you. Brothers and sisters, that here this is your red horse. And there was a time when I um, I tried to spiritualize everything uh, in the book of Revelation. I'm just being honest with you. I, I tried to spiritualize it, and I'm thinking, you know, how in the world could this involve the whole world, the whole earth? I mean, look how big the earth, look how many nations there are, look how many kings, look, look. Look how many countries there are and how many different cultures there are in the world we live in. Surely this is, 
it, it's got to be more uh, local, uh, maybe to Israel and the land of the Middle East. But what have we learned about the COVID? Look how many nations one disease has impacted. Look how many deaths are attributed to the COVID. So, so I'm just standing before you in my generation. I have seen a worldwide disease, pestilence, afflict every nation. Every nation in the world has been impacted by COVID. So don't sit there and think that this is something we need to spiritualize and categorize because the red horse is a real, a real uh, uh, description of carnage and uh, terror, fear, and war. Now watch the third horse. Going back to Revelation chapter 6, verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal... Remember, he's unrolling this scroll, right? And he's breaking the seals uh, as he goes. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third beast or, or living creature say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. I believe that the black horse represents famine. Famine. Famine always follows war. And famine is a very deadly thing to many, many people. You know, if, if any of you have uh, kept up at, at any length with uh, the tribal wars in Africa, in, like in Sudan... And in, and in parts of uh, Western uh, Africa, Nigeria, the, the various uh, tribes that are fighting each other, the wars that have uh, happened uh, have exposed the children to starvation. I mean, thousands of children are, 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 are hungry, uh, hungering to death. They have no food. To me, this is a great representation of the black horse. Famine is coming. I think it's interesting that black uh, is used here. Uh, the blackness uh, 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 of, of, of uh, darkness, uh, evil. Uh, 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 I'm thinking a demonic activity. And... <clears throat> If we were to take the time to go to Jeremiah 14 and Lamentations chapter 5, we would find that it was uh, indicative of uh, the, the limited control of food, the food supply by governmental authority, by government, by those in charge of the masses. Here's the black horse with a pair of balances in his hand. Balances, you understand what he's talking about. Okay, Let, let's think about the balance. All right, it says, here, here's what's in the balance. On one side of the balance is a measure of wheat. Now, the word measure there comes from the Greek word that literally means quart. A quart of wheat. Now, you sisters would relate to this. Uh, a quart of wheat. Just, just uh, think about wheat in the kernel form. Not wheat flour, but in the kernel form. A measure of wheat for a penny. Well, somebody says, well, that's not a bad deal. I mean, goodness gracious, a penny? 
I've got to, I pick pennies up in the parking lot. I mean, you know, uh, they, it, doesn't that indicate that there's an abundance of wheat? You need to remember the context. 2,000 years ago, a person worked all day long for a penny. All day long. Can you imagine working all day long for a penny? That's a day's wage. Now, I, don't, I know there's various wages represented in the church tonight, but can you imagine, just think about what you earn uh, for a living in a day. And think about buying a quart of wheat, which would be, you sisters might correct me on this, but say a loaf, a loaf of bread. See, it's scarcity. But the one holding the balance is the one riding on the black horse, the government. Do you see, do you see the connection with this? All right. How about, uh, how about three measures of barley, which, which is rough grain the, 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 for the food of the poor, for a penny? So you've got three quarts of barley that's a day's wage. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. See, there's the prophecy that says that uh, Israel is going to be an oil-producing, an oil-exporting country one day. I heard a minister say that. But brothers and sisters, contextually, remember that oil in the Jewish culture was talking about olive oil, not, not crude oil. You know, they didn't, they didn't have gasoline for their chariots. I promise you, they did not have mechanized chariots back in that day. So what he's talking about is, is the uh, vegetable crops and, 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 of course, the grapes that produced the wine. It's interesting to me that grain, oil, and wine are the main products of Israel even today, even to this day. And you can, you can compare that to Hosea chapter 2 and verse 8 later. But here is the black horse. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say back over in Matthew chapter 24 when they were asking him about the end? About the end? He says, not only will nation rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, but there shall be famines. There it is. In the same sequence, the black horse is going to follow the red horse. The red horse is going to follow the white horse. And then he says, and pestilences and earthquakes in different places, and all these are the beginning of of sorrows the beginning of extensive deception by false Christ the beginning of ethnic and racial strife all over the world worldwide the beginning of economic devastation worldwide the beginning of execution and persecution of Christians worldwide exposure of false professors those that claim that they're Christians and are not Brothers and sisters, let me be very plain with this. If there is a denomination or if there is a religious institution that denies the deity of Jesus Christ as Lord, the Son of God, they are not Christian. They're not Christian. But there's something else in this I, I, I'm just so excited about. In this era, 
of the beginning of sorrows, there's also an expansion of the gospel to all nations. I notice in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Are you with me still? And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end be. See, not before. Not before. I think it's interesting that today the Bible is translated into over 2,400 languages. Representing over 90% of our population. Did you know that? I'm talking about 2021. Over 90% of the world's population have uh, access to the Word of God in their own language. Now, brothers and sisters, that's amazing to me. But what we're witnessing is the black horse in these, uh, in these descriptions. Going back to Revelation chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. We see the pale horse. Listen to this. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast saying, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts, excuse me, the beasts of the earth. The beasts of the earth. The pale horse represents death. All the way through the scripture, by the way, Ezekiel, uh, we could go back and, and look at where that, that color is used to describe death. It's a leprous color. It's greenish, according to Leviticus chapter 13, verse 49. Death claims the body, but hell is what claims the soul. So death and hell are a part of this pale horse. And a fourth of the earth's population is killed in four ways, four methods. The sword, violence. Violence. Hunger, as we've already stated. Famine. Pestilence. Disease. And beasts. Natural da uh, danger. Natural danger. Much could be said on this, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I believe that uh, this is literally true and that you're going to see in the last generation, you're going to see an intensity rising in our culture, in our nations, and in our world of these particular forms of death, these particular forms of uh, removing human beings from the planet earth and later we're going to see that the earth becomes an object of worship has anybody ever heard of earth day when did you hear about it when I was in school they didn't talk about earth day I guarantee you that uh, but uh, it's a recent uh, phenomenon and we continue to see uh, more and more uh, people valuing animal life over human life. Uh, valuing um, uh, earth, trees, uh, more than they do the welfare of human beings. And it's becoming more and more apparent. And I'm wondering, is this a part of God's judgment upon our nation and world today? 
Jesus said something about this in uh, chapter 24, verse uh, 8. He says, these are the beginning of sorrows. Uh, In verse 9, he says, and they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Oh, brothers and sisters, don't we see this happening? Don't, don't we see this uh, in our own generation, the animosity, the, the opposition to Christian, Christianity? Just recently, in a city I won't mention, uh, they had a flag day. We recently had flag day in our country. Every flag was allowed to fly except one. That city would not allow the Christian flag to fly. You know, the white flag with the, the, the red cross on it. They wouldn't allow that. They said it causes too, it's too controversial. And I'm thinking, you know, brothers and sisters, we're, we're seeing these things unfolding. And, and I think in little ways... But what we're talking about here is judgments that are going to explode and become global and become the norm, if you will. Now, in Revelation 6, verse 9, we find the opening of the fifth seal, the rise of martyrdom. And I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is a real thing. Every day in our country. In fact, Voice of Martyrs released an article several months ago, and it said that there have been more Christian martyrs. Listen to this. There have been more Christian martyrs in our world in the last 10 years than 2,000 years previous put together. I didn't know that. Did you know that? But look at what's happening to Christians in Afghanistan. Look at what's happening to Christians in Nigeria. I mean, you, you just hear about it every day. You're hearing about more and more Christians being uh, slaughtered for no other reason than they love and identify with Jesus Christ. Don't sit there tonight and think that that can't happen in America. Because I believe it will. If, if God allows time to continue, I, I, I believe we're going to see this. And, and I hope we're ready for it. See, that's what I, personally, uh, that, that, that's my struggle. Lord, help me to be the kind of witness for you that I'm willing to give my life rather than deny Christ. And they cried out with a loud voice. Listen to them. Listen to them. Listen to the souls of those that are in heaven already. They're they're in heaven in soul. And they've been slaughtered. They've been killed. They've been uh, martyred. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood upon them that dwell on the earth? I want to unpack that a little bit how long O lord 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 absolute ruler or master will you not avenge they're crying out these are prayers for vengeance upon the unbelieving these are prayers uh, for vengeance upon the enemies of god did you know that it's it's all right to pray that way 
Did you know that we can pray that God will deliver us from wicked and ungodly men? Did you know we can pray that God will remove from office men that hate our nation and want to destroy it? Did you know it's okay to do that? If you're taking notes, just write down and think about this tonight later. Psalm chapter 74, verses 9 through 19. Psalm chapter 79, verse 5. Psalm chapter 94, verses 3 and 4. And see where David prayed against his enemies and the enemies of God. It's okay to do that. It's okay. And white robes, listen to this. White robes were given unto every one of them, which represents, by the way, righteousness. This is the righteousness of Christ. They're not in heaven because of their own righteousness. They're in heaven because of the righteousness of Christ. Brothers and sisters, nobody is going to be in heaven because of their own righteousness. It's only the righteousness of Christ that we can plead. And that's the white robes, verse 11, and every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren should be killed as they were. And that should be fulfilled that's exactly what jesus was preparing the disciples for do you realize that 11 uh, of the 12 original apostles suffered martyrdom do you realize they were they were they were killed and many 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 christians died after the apostles had been offered up on the altar now putting that in context the fifth seal indicates the rise of martyrdom in the last generation, in the last day. And uh, the sacrificial blood of the Old Testament altar that is written about in Leviticus chapter 4 through 7, uh, 4, 4 verse 7, is pointing to the sacrificial blood of Christ and his followers. Remember, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, I am ready to be offered. He's talking about sacrificed with his blood. Did you know that marturion, the word from which we derive martyr, means to witness by blood? Witness by blood, that's what it means, martyr, marturion. Well, Jesus is warning the disciples that people are going to hate you uh, the world's going to persecute you, and many of you are going to be killed and betrayed, even by your own family. Those closest to you, the sacrificial blood of the Old Testament altar in Leviticus chapter 4 points to the blood of Christ and those who sh would shed their blood in following after him. All right, fifth seal. Okay, the sixth seal. We're going to talk about world chaos. World chaos. In verse 12 of Revelation 6, he says, And I beheld, and he opened the sixth seal, and, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Listen to this. And the stars of heaven fell up unto the earth, even as a fig tree cast her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it roll, is rolled together, and e every mountain and island were removed out of their place. The shaking of na nature 
will also il illustrate the shaking of the economic, political, and ecclesiastical identity of the whole world that follows after the Antichrist. This seal could be the beginning of an aspect or, or an element of the Great Tribulation that is spoken of by Daniel in Daniel chapter 12. This is world chaos, political and economic disaster. Now, I told you a moment ago that the, 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 uh, the last sermon that Jesus preached that we have a record of, the last discourse, the Olivet Discourse, is recorded in Matthew 24, 25, and also Luke 21. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bible to Luke 21 and read a verse in Luke 21 that's not in Matthew, Matthew's gospel. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. Luke chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples about the last days. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Isn't that corresponding? to what we're reading about the sixth seal? Doesn't that correspond with what John revealed, uh, Jesus revealed to John on the Isle of Patmos? But before you uh, leave cha uh, Luke chapter 21, I want you to notice this in verse 36. Watch. Now that word is from a Greek word that literally means be alert, be vigilant, be be, be, be vigilant in what uh, God is showing you in his wise and holy providence. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things, these judgments that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. If you have your Bible with you, underline that word stand. Because what he's referring to is a legal position. Standing. Standing before the Son of Man. All right. Go with me now to Revelation chapter 6 and watch this. Watch, watch the response of this wicked world to all of these stars falling, all of the... the uh, upheaval and the chaos that will be in the world at that time he says uh, uh, in verse 15 and the kings of the earth and the kings of the earth the rulers of the earth and the great men and rich men and chief captains and mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. Wrath is reserved toward those who are enemies of God. 
It's not, the judgments that we're talking about are not going to be delivered upon the followers of God, but those that hate God, those that despise God. And then he says, for the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? Stand. Legal term. <coughs> Recently, I know you'll remember this, in the November election, um, there was a suspected fraud in five particular key states. So President Trump decided he would go to the court and ask for a, a review of the ballots that were cast in these five key states. And our Supreme Court told the President of the United States, you have no standing. Remember that? And Mr. Trump come out and said, well, if the President of the United States doesn't have any standing, who does? Remember that? That's a good question. What they were referring to was his legal status because they claimed that he had no evidence. And because he had no evidence, he had no legal standing. That's exactly the way the word is used in the scripture. Legal standing is always contingent. It's always based upon evidence. Jesus in Matthew chapter, uh, in Luke chapter 21 verse 36 when he said, I want you to be vigilant. I want you to be watchful. I want you to be obedient. I, I want you to, to be diligent in your following after Christ so that you will have standing, evidence, fruit, so that you'll have standing before the Son of Man at His coming. I'm going to close with this. That's why I wanted to title our study tonight, Who, Who's Going to Stand? I, wanted, I want to close uh, tonight's study with just a few verses, if you don't mind. In Psalm chapter 76, verse 7, David writes, Thou, even thou, art to be feared. And who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Who's going to stand before the Lord? This is the question of the ages. Who's going to stand before the Lord? Nahum chapter 1 verse 6. Who can stand before the Almighty's indignation? Who? Who's qualified? Who, who, who has the ability to ascend, as it were, to the very throne of God when even the angels themselves cannot look upon the throne itself? The seraphim cover their face and they're holy. They're, they're pure. They're sinless. And yet they cover their face because they cannot see. They cannot look at the holiness of this God. Psalm chapter 130 verse 3. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Malachi chapter 3 verse 2. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. The, the word fuller means uh, like a launderer. A refiner's fire. This is what he's describing God as. He's a refiner's fire. You know what a refiner's fire does? It burns away the dross. It, 
it, it burns away the impurities in, in, in metal. And a fuller soap uh, is something that takes out the stain of cloth. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you in closing tonight. The only people that are going to stand in that day are the people that are standing in the perfect righteousness of Christ. The people that love Christ. The people that know Him. The people that seek to follow Him. The people that when they come to the end of their way, the end of their life, they're able to present fruit to the glory of God. You see, that's what I believe he's making a distinction between. That's why I don't believe that the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon God's people. Later in our study in Revelation chapter 12, when there's war in heaven, you re we'll read about that, that red dragon and so forth. Remember, he prepared a place in the wilderness for his his bride, his, his people. It's like the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. When Egypt was being judged by the holy God of heaven with ten plagues, not one of those plagues reached the land of Goshen. And brothers and sisters, I honestly believe that's the way it's going to be in the last day. God is going to provide a place of protection and safety for his people. He's not going to pour wrath out upon those that love Christ but upon those that oppose him and despise him. They're the ones that have legal standing before the God of heaven. Thank you for your very good attention tonight. Let's go ahead and pray. Kind Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, and we love your word of truth. And I thank you, dear Lord, that we have a church that wants to know uh, what your Bible teaches and says. And, and I thank you for the gifts that you have given the church here that teach uh, the word of God in truth and, and in verity. Lord, we are so unworthy of the least of thy tender mercies, and yet in your goodness and grace you look down upon us, and you, you have graciously clothed us in the righteous robes of our loving Savior. And, and, it, and that's where we get our confidence. That's where we derive our boldness. Help us to stand and doing all to stand, to stand in the face of all the evil of our day. Lord, I just want to praise you and, and adore your holy name for the, the gift of eternal life that is found only in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we're looking forward to his second coming. And Lord, uh, we rejoice at the prospect of our heavenly home. And we know that when we get there, it'll be because of your sovereign grace alone. And it's in the precious name of our redeeming Lord that we now pray and say, Amen.